does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ryan feeling the heat. Checks it down left side. This time intercepted inside the 40-yard line. Picked off by Pittsburgh. First and goal under center picket. Man in motion is Sims. They give off, off right side to Harris. He is hit at the two-yard line. Extends touchdown. the ball. And a touchdown of six yards out. Najee Harris. And the Steelers have scored the first touchdown of the game. The third time today they have found points. And they lead the Colts by two scores. First and goal from the two. Pittsburgh 16. Colts 3. Taylor the back to the left side. Ball to your hash. They give it to Taylor. Straights off a block and he's in there. Touchdown! So first and goal. Colts at the one. Under center. Matt Ryan. Jonathan Taylor is the back. They give it to Taylor. And he lost the ball. And Matt Ryan recovered it back to the seven yard line. The Steelers though think they have it. Oh, this would be disastrous. Ball between the hash marks. Ryan out of the gun. Taylor stays in as his back to the right side. Looking left. Ryan lost into the fade pattern into the end zone. It's a catch. Mike Michael Pittman Jr. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Colts down by a touchdown. Matt Ryan with the ball in the near hash. Backs to throw. Deep drop. Good protection. Now he's going to take off and run. There he goes. 35. He's at the 30. Dives across the 25-yard line. And they're going to say he gave himself up at the 25 for a gain of 15 to bring up a very manageable third and two. I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. Matt's going to continue to be the guy. We're going to, like I said, we're going to keep keep moving forward, keep pressing forward with what we got. Yeah, simply, it's just back to the old 2022 Colts. Awful start, archaic offense, personnel issues galore. Honestly, he had some coaching issues creep into it late. But I got to start with the Pacers. Beautiful intro from Mark Dykton there, Colts related. But Jake, that finish last night, down 19 with 10 minutes to go in the game. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and even Russell Westbrook, all of them, were playing like their old selves. And yet here's a couple rookies on the floor, and Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard and Tyrese Halliburton quarterbacking it all. Some high praise from LeBron James after that one. Um, what? A night for the Pacers and coming back and beating the Lakers on the Andrew Nemhard game winning, literally shot buzzer make 116. And do we have, do we prefer the, not prefer, that's the wrong way of saying it. We've, we've heard Mark Boyle a few times. Do we have Chris Denary's call, Mark? Um, because as Kevin had mentioned, it's been since Solomon Hill that the Pacers have had a shot where the buzzer went off while the shot was in the air to walk off the game. Here is Kristen Airy, Bally Sports Indiana, with uh, a lot of Quinn Buckner on the call last night. Miles Turner. Three. Gamer, Gamer. Oh, Miles. rebound. Halliburton. Oh, no, he held on it too long. Nemhard away. Got it, baby. Got it. Oh, how cool is that? Andrew Nemhard, his 4-3 as the clock expires to win in L.A. Mark, so you, you might tweet out that highlight of the play because I, I think, Jake, what stands out to me is just it was kind of a chaotic sequence after Turner misses the initial three. Like Halliburton, or I think it was Matherin that got his hands on it first. It kind of tips out to Halliburton. And then he's dribbling around, unsure of what to do. He looks over at Buddy Heald, doesn't force it to Heald, and then he finds Nemhard, who hits that right in LeBron's face. And the scene afterwards post-game, just the pure jubilation from the Pacers. Kevin Pritchard looked like Mark Cuban. He did running out on the floor to he celebrate. He looked like shooter with his budget. He looked like shooter when uh, when they ran the picket fence, right? He did. Uh, yeah. Hopefully not. You know, no no sales after the third quarter. Hopefully over at the uh, <laughs> the Staples right. Center. But uh, what a moment! And like we have these times, Jake. And I don't know. Maybe what happened with the Colts makes this more in the limelight. 
Last night was a why we love sports game for the Pacers. And if you're the Colts, you don't like it at all because you went out and for those that, you know, a lot of people might have forgotten the Colts were were playing, to be honest with you, on their, but as soon as they got home, basically, is when that game was ending. Or maybe people flipped over and the Pacers were down 19 at that point. And they're like, eh, okay. But there is, I'm telling you, like each franchise kind of looks at the other one like, what's the fan interest in town here because we want to be the alpha dog. And like I said, maybe that's shifting now to the Pacers because this is the difference between the Pacers and the Colts is the Pacers have an upside. The yeah, Pacers they have, have hope, real correct. Hope. They have real hope. They're young. They are way ahead of schedule. I'm telling you right now, as sure as the fact that my name is Jake Query, I'm telling you, at the beginning of the season, the Pacers brass basically sent notice to all of us like listen we we don't know that we're going to win many games this year but it's because we're building towards the future and they're basically ahead of schedule i don't think they anticipated they knew that tyrese halliburton was going to be a really good player and they knew that he would make others better i don't think they realized that benedict matherin and andrew nimhard and jalen smith and isaiah jackson would play this way I think they had hope, but didn't know the reality of how Miles Turner would respond by playing with Tyrese Halliburton. And kudos to the Pacers because they have hope, they have direction, and they have promise. The Colts, on the other hand, are a huge vat of uncertain suck. And last night was a disaster. You have a team coming in here in Pittsburgh that overtakes the stadium. Yeah, sure, it might have been 30%, 40% fans, but they were louder than anybody in Indianapolis. Their season's been done forever. They come in here with their terrible towels. You know why the Steeler fans love coming here? Steeler fans love coming to Indianapolis. Love, 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 love it. Because in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you're a Steelers fan, I know. I grew up a childhood Steelers fan. The Steelers love talking about the 70s. They love living in the 70s. And what better way to do it than to come to a place where BTO and taking care of business and old-time rock and roll are considered new wave hits. That place is so stale and so flat during the course of the game because the team goes out and absolutely underperforms. People deserve better than that. We were told the offensive line was fixed. It was a disaster. We were told that we were overhyping the fact they needed wide receivers. They couldn't get any to make any plays last night. Michael Pittman, by his own admission, was absolutely disastrous in the first half. His words, not mine. Alec Pierce missed a wide-open opportunity to try to help Matt Ryan late in the game. Matt Ryan has a noodle arm. They have made a coaching change that all of a sudden now has gone right back to square one and I'm sorry the Colts can sit here and push out their chest and Chris Ballard can talk about his college degree all they want every single thing they told us was going to be taken care of is flat out flat it didn't work it hasn't worked and people have better things to do than to drive down and spend three hours on a Monday night during the holiday season watching a product that is flat out stale and the Pacers thank goodness gave people a reason to then go home and have something to celebrate about yeah, I thought it was extremely well said, Colts front. Well, one thing going back on the Pacers, Jake, what last night can do for Matherin, Halliburton, Nemhard, all of those guys closing out the game against LeBron, against Anthony Davis, against Russell Westbrook? I mean, these are like the signs that I didn't know if we would see. Obviously, didn't really think we would see necessarily this stuff this season. Closing out games against elite Hall of Fame caliber players and that's what those guys did last night obviously spearheading a huge comeback um, Halliburton of course you got to throw him into that mix as well um, it, it's pretty special what the Pacers have done here through the first 20 games and again their resiliency and bouncing back for such a poor performance on Sunday afternoon and in particular you know a guy like Matherin really struggled against the Clippers and yet he continues to do this where he steps up and doesn't allow one game to snowball into the next um, it's fun, fun to watch. I, I get the Bally thing still restricts some people, uh, but I cannot encourage people enough to, if they can, try and watch the Pacers and or go to a game this season because um, they are giving this city hope and real optimism. And right now the Colts are having, I would argue, Jake, I would say the most disappointing season in at least two decades. For the Colts? considering preseason expectations, which must be factored in. This is not 2011, where if you would have said Curtis Painter starts X amount of games, we knew what would happen. Or 2017, if Jacoby's going to start X amount of games, 
um, and all of a sudden Andrew Luck is not going to play, we knew what would un- unfold. This is the most disappointing Colts season in years. Kevin, the, the thing that is so frustrating is this. The thing that is so frustrating is that all of those things that you're talking about in terms of the expectations, I didn't set those expectations. You didn't set those expectations. Mark didn't set those expectations. The franchise did. They told us. All chips in. They told us multiple Lombardis. They told us upper quartile of upper quartile of upper quartile rare air. They said all those things. I didn't say that. I didn't say that this offensive line was fixed. They said that. I didn't say that wideout was not a concern. They told me that. So that's what's disappointing about it. There are a few things more insulting to hardworking Indianapolis residents that pay good money to go down and watch a football team. All they ask, all people want out of the football team here in the football franchise, all they want is to know that they're getting a franchise that is doing one of two things to them, either doing their best to put forth a team that is competitive, and I do think that they're trying to do that. I don't think they're trying to lose games. But to just be honest and be respectful and don't play us for a fool. But again, Jake, don't spit on me and tell me it's raining. But Jake, they didn't think they would be doing this. Like the Pacers thought they would be having a bad. And that's what I think adds to what I was just saying about it's the most disappointing season in multiple decades. The Colts never envisioned that we would be here on November 29th and more people would rather talk about the 2023 quarterback class than the Colts' playoff hopes in the month of December. Yeah. It's so foreign for this franchise, particularly over the last two decades. Thankfully, we got basketball in this state. Uh, Should we go to training camp, Jimmy, Mark? Do you want to roll that dice? Training camp, Jimmy, it's been a while. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin and Jake. Training camp, Jimmy, is back in the building. I called in before last year, and what did I say? I said Trace Jackson Davis is the next Bill Russell. Well, guess what, boys? He's back, and we got Kimball Walker at point guard. We also got Russell Westbrook, Jalen Huchifino with a jump shot at our two guard. Now, now wait a minute, Jimmy. Have you watched Russell Westbrook's jump shot in the last, like, five years? Hey, Huchifino is Russell Westbrook with a jump shot. Okay. He's that good. Okay. But I do have to give a shout-out to Matt Painter. Gobble, 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 Matt. Congrats on another national championship in November. Keep bringing these seven-footers in because we all know how it ended up for Haas. But to North Carolina, Wednesday night, I will be in Assembly Hall with lithium batteries in my pockets because it's going to be... Did you cut him off there, Mark? Kevin said fade him down. All right. Kevin, you went for it. I should have let that play. You asked for him to be Listen, I feel like tomorrow night has lost a little bit of its luster down in Bloomington with how Carolina's Mm -hmm. looked. Am I wrong on that? Indiana basketball fans need to understand something. I get the whole banner, banner, banner talk. I get it. I grew up spouting it from the mountaintops. But when I was at Indiana University... In 1993, okay, in 1993, think about this. When I was at Indiana University, Calvert Cheney's year, Indiana University, 1993, they had a title that Bobby Slick Leonard had won in 1953 with Don Schlunt over Kansas and B.H. Bourne in Kansas City. It was 40 years before that. It was nothing but a legendary mythical tale to me as a student that is essentially that is four years difference between keith smart's shot and current students at indiana university keith smart is to trace jackson davis what slick leonard and don schlunt were to me my point being i get the fact that you want to talk banners 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 it's listen they are as it's been 30 coming up here on 36 years. I, I mean, there's a little bit of what have you done for me lately. And I'm sorry, 
Purdue has a team put together that is the one that forever Indiana fans were so proud of about Indiana. They And I'm not saying Indiana doesn't do this, but Purdue has a team put together that is built together because they are a sum better than the parts. They are predominantly Indiana and Midwestern kids that have bought in, that all play together, that enjoy playing with one another, and they weren't necessarily highly touted players, but they are guys that have come in and bought in and done it for the name on the front of the jersey. And that's exactly what Indiana fans touted themselves, bragged about, aside from the banners, for 35 years. And they should simply tip their cap to Purdue and say, you know what, you're doing it the right way, and we look forward to playing you again, because it's a fun rivalry. I don't think that's how fandom works for a lot of people. Clearly not for training camp Jimmy. Um, I think if you look at these four games for IU, at Xavier, Carolina tomorrow night, Arizona and Vegas, at Kansas, this is easily the, the, the easiest of them all. I think... You know, we almost forget about Carolina last year, Jake. They got hot for three weeks. Remember, they were on like the bubble in late February. And they brought back, obviously, a huge chunk of their starting lineup. But, you know, were we too quick to, I think, maybe crown North Carolina in the offseason? Obviously, they were preseason ranked number one. Losing to Alabama and Iowa State certainly would indicate that. And then I'm curious to see just what they look like health-wise tomorrow. I mean, they had, I think it was four guys play over 45 minutes out in Portland. Uh, Armando Baycott, their All-American big guy, hurt. So what they look like tomorrow night um, will be interesting. And Purdue is at Florida State. Indiana hosts North Carolina. Then Big Ten play starts this weekend. You get a couple Big Ten games in there um, in the month of December. Uh, Who should we go with, Mark, next? Well, do you want more Pacers talk or do you want to go Colts again? Uh, let's go Pacers. All right, let's go with Pacers Steve then. Pacers Steve, good morning. Good morning. Hey, how about those Pacers? How about that last night? Uh, I, I tell you what, I'm excited about this team. Of course, you know I'm a season ticket holder, so I get down there for the games. But, uh, man, you just wake up every day looking forward to whatever it is they're going to do. I, I want to get down in the, in the, in the ground, though, on, on some, some, some of their play. Uh, Buddy Hield is shooting 27% in his last seven games from three-point range, 19 for 68. And he's uh, starting to concern me. And this team, going back several years, last year was bad, the year before it was bad, this year is bad. You, know, you turn on the game and you, and you listen to the commentators talk about, oh, you know, it's another slow start for the Pacers. And, uh, of course, Carlisle knows what he's doing. But I'm just wondering... You know, how good we could be if at the five-minute mark of every first quarter, the score wasn't 17-6. to And uh, our offensive rebounding is middling. And I, Steve, the, Steve the Pacers are 12-8, and 8, 20 games into the season, and all I hear is Buddy Heald can't shoot, the Pacers can't get no, off the no, good no, starts, and they're, is, and they're not I, rebounding I, it. Can we celebrate? You're going to... You're going to see a change here, though, in the starting lineup. I think Carlisle's got to do something to get us away from those slow starts. I, my point is we'd be even better than we are if, if it wasn't uh, uh, put on the, on, the, on the bench to have to claw us back into games day after day after day. How about we flip this, and how about we start out hot, and how about if only, you know, instead of being 12-8 and eight or uh, 15 and, and 3 or something, uh, are you, do you guys ever tire of, of finishing the first quarter down a dozen points? And have- Steve, sure, you, ever mean- heard, you ever heard the fable of the lady who's on the beach and her little kid is sitting there playing with a sandcastle and a huge wave comes and takes the kid and sweeps the little infant away off into the ocean and the lady gets on her hands and knees and prays to the Lord and says, I will do whatever is possible in the rest of my life if you just bring my child back and the wave comes and the child washes right back up ashore and the woman looks at it and she's momentarily relieved and then looks up and says she had a hat isn't that kind of what just happened with you last night and watching the Pacers Lakers game I mean they've got like they're they're probably the youngest team in the league. They're ahead of schedule. They're still figuring out who they're going to run with and who they're not. Buddy Heald is probably not a long term guy for them. Um, I get it. Sure. So Waters found its level with Buddy Heald a little bit over the last seven games. Right. Still is a threat. 
Really unlike been somebody a really good teammate. the Pacers have had in quite some time. He's durable. That's been an issue with injuries at guard and the wings right now. Not one of our best segment in the caller front with training camp Jimmy and <laughs> Pacer Steve. I feel like we're I, I do we're, love Steve. We are nitpicking there to like the nth degree. Like let's just appreciate twelve and eight at this point. And again, with how the cold season has unfolded, uh, the Pacers get off to slow start. Sure. Am I curious what happens with Matherin in the starting lineup moving forward? Of course. But right now, with everything that's transpired for them, the expectations entering this season, it's been a pretty fun first month and a half of the Indiana Pacers. It has. I mean, look. Like I said, ahead of schedule. You know what's going to be interesting? Whoever would have guessed this. Pacers at Sacramento is going to be an interesting game. Get some storylines tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is going to be difficult on the remote front. Um, I think Purdue is the early one. Purdue's in the 7 o'clock slot, but you've got IU North Carolina at 9-15. I feel like those ACC Big Ten Challenge games never start on time. And then you've got the Pacers and Kings. Uh, what Our coverage is at 9-30. Am I reading that right, Elijah? Yeah, 9-30. That's Elijah, the overenthusiastic intern who's dropped back in, by the way. He, yes, he now he, he, he's a co-worker of ours. Sorry. Elijah, the overenthusiastic co-worker. Who lives in a haunted apartment, apparently. That's right. Yeah, he lives. He does. He, Jake's going to go some do some ghost hunting, <laughs> I think. Um, this text, by the way, I got a good one. Jake, the best business model you can have is to under-promise and over-deliver. The Pacers are doing just that. The Colts the opposite you know and again i appreciate like candor i appreciate honesty and i think that is the sad part about this cold season is they honestly thought they would end this divisional drought be in the playoffs have matt Ryan support matt ryan matt ryan would support him all of those things and you haven't sniffed it so i don't think it's as much as the colts were lying it's that the colts thought they were good and they were wrong that's what i think is even more frustrating it's this, not that they were lying this from jeremiah jake to your point me and three other friends were at the game last night we all made plans to attend more pacer games this year and not go to another colts game we will be at the next pacer home game yeah i got this one here kb i was offered a free ticket i turned it down because i'm not wasting my time on this trash and i named my son after the colts named him colt or named him indianapolis what do you do? i believe colton I mean, that's a rowdy we're living in here in late November. A couple you know, of individuals. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just gonna. I was gonna go a little positive route here with the Colts. A couple of individuals I thought deserved mention from last night, but feel free if you had something else on. Well, I was simply gonna say a lot of people don't realize that the Colts or the Pacers are actually named after Colts, because a lot of people think Pacers is because of the fact of the Indianapolis 500, but the Indiana Pacers name actually comes from uh, the Pacer, which is a sit down like horse racing. You know, the horse racer where the guy sits down and rides it? Those are actually called pacers. And Indiana's horse racing heritage combined with auto racing is why they named the team the pacers. Just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, educate and entertain, right, Mark? <laughs> I'm just glad he hasn't talked about the Ngakwe sacks yet. Uh, I Trust me, you think I didn't get plenty of Yanid Ngakwe last night? I know I did. I'll go uh, Jelani Woods, bouncing back from the early drop. I thought Braden Smith did a very nice job on T.J. Watt. And then the two kick returners. I, I, I Did Isaiah Rodgers get hurt? I, I don't know if we got clarity on that because I saw a whole lot of Brandon Face on. And then Dallas Flowers took over for Isaiah Rodgers at kick returner. I mean, without Flowers making that play in the third quarter, I mean, the Colts might get run out of the building. Yeah. The Colts had 225 kick return yards last night. That is the most by any yeah, NFL team this season. It's the most for the Colts since 2004. You had two separate players with over 100 kick return yards. No NFL team has done that since 2010. Which possession was it? Was it the kick return possession that ended in a field goal, or was it when they got the ball? Somehow they got the ball... Well, they had a first and goal from the one, right, and didn't and didn't convert. Well, well Taylor fumbled. Turned it over. Are, are you I mean, about that's that what one? I mean. Yeah, but then they didn't they have another play where they got inside the red zone and had to settle for a field goal. Yeah, it early, wasn't the like, kick return though, was it? The second quarter when they got on the board first. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I was thinking that they didn't that they were not able to convert when they got the kick return. Uh, and by the way, there's supposedly no cheering in the press box. That was not applicable last night on the kick return. Um, but when they got on the board in the second half, it kind of felt like things were shifting where you're like, there's no way that they can't put away Pittsburgh now. It's Pittsburgh. 
It's three-win Pittsburgh. It's a rookie quarterback with little hands that has three touchdowns and eight interceptions on the year. And without and his, best running back is out. I was going to say, without his running back, too. George Pickens made some pretty darn impressive catches. I know that he had some red flags in college, but he's a pretty darn good player. Yeah, a lot of red flags. That's why the Colts did not sniff him for what it's worth. Um, all right, we'll continue to take your phone calls. I don't know, though. After what we just witnessed in the last segment, we might need to rethink that on the break. Uh, morning check down right now here on The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is great from Josh. I feel like the Colts are like the McDonald's drive through They're giving me completely different than what I ordered. <laughs> Does their ice cream machine work, though? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that, the no. ice cream machine's broken. Again? It's been three years. No, it does not work. Uh, the joy of ice cream, certainly for Boiler fans right now. Purdue jumps up to number five in the AP poll. Did you say it was at 98, Jake, the last time you've had Indiana and Purdue both in the top 10? Uh, 93, I believe. It's very rare to see these two teams ranked when they face each other. Obviously, we got a long way to go for that, but we've got two Saturday games with Purdue and Indiana coming up in the new year. Um, it'll be fun, certainly, to if they continue to be ranked at that level. Um, again, Indiana's got North Carolina tomorrow night. They drop big time in the polls. Um, Arizona is four. Kansas is nine, if you're looking ahead to future December opponents. Purdue has got Florida State. They just got smoked by Nebraska. Florida State, I feel like Florida State plays Purdue every year in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. This is the last year for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, so it'll be the last time it happens, right? But yes, you are correct. I mean... Look, number eight in the coaches' poll for Purdue, number 10 in the eight, or, or, uh I'm sorry, for Indiana, number 10 in the coaches' poll, number five in both for Purdue. And I, I don't know why Kevin Purdue's not number one. I, honestly, I. Houston, well, it's all preseason polls. I, I, it's ridiculous. Houston, Texas, Virginia, Arizona, great. They're all six or five and oh, but nobody has the resume at this point that Purdue. Yeah, has. and I will reiterate what I said in the opening hour of what that does for your resume in March is going to be huge for Purdue wherever they fall on that team. Uh, sticking in basketball, by the way, last night in the association, the Pacers 116-115 over the L.A. Lakers. Yes, we've played a lot, but it bears playing again. Here's how it sounded as Indiana wins at the buzzer against the Lake Show. Halliburton to inbound from the far side. He'll flip it to the top. Turner is wide open, but he missed short with a three. Rebound Halliburton. Three seconds to go. Drives to the wing. Nimhart beat the clock, and it's over! Nimhart beat the clock with a three from out on the left edge as time expires. The call on the floor is good, and the Pacers are mobbing Nimhart. What a night. Coming back from 19 with 10 minutes to go in the game. Again, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook actually all playing very well. And yet it was a group pretty much of Halliburton, Matherin, um, Nemhard, Heald, and Turner that spearheaded that comeback. Nemhard hit some huge shots for the Pacers late. Halliburton continues to just quarterback things beautifully. Third straight game with at least 10 assists and zero turnovers. That is unheard of. In the NBA, uh, been a strong, been a strong stretch. That's rare. Zero here. question. That is rare. Thank error, you. As a matter of fact, Jim Mercer, I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, Colts last night. Uh, I thought it was their worst half of the season, probably since week two. Um, to probably put it a little bit more accurately, that first half last night, things changed a little bit in the third quarter. Jeff Saturday on that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, when we walked in, I just said, hey, this, you're going to learn a lot about who you are right now, right? And uh, Z got up and, and uh, you know, gave the breakdown and just challenged everybody. And those guys, you know, they stepped up and made the, you know, met the challenge. It was uh, obviously it wasn't nearly good enough the first half. And uh, I think everybody felt it way, you know, just, just not nearly enough plays and really self-inflicted wounds, uh, which has kind of been the story the last two weeks against opponents that, you know, you feel like you have an opportunity and don't make enough to, to close it out. It'd be Zyre Franklin, by the way. Uh, that's who he's referencing there, is Z, who spoke up at halftime. If they found out who they are in the second half, that's not exactly encouraging, right? Yeah, one good quarter of football last night. That's why you're 4, 7, and 1. Kevin, here. every area of this football team that everyone outside of 56th Street 
had concerns about and were told we didn't that that's why we were not working inside 56th street has come out to rear its ugly head y'all been kicking the out of me for years uh, yeah somebody last night said will the media finally start holding chris ballard accountable what the guy sat there like a scolded, petulant child and lashed out at the media about how unfair we've been in the last time that he made a public appearance. That should tell you right there that I'm not saying that, but I mean, I, I think we have fairly been critical of him, right? Uh, yeah, I said this last week, and I said it when Frank Wright got fired, Jake, if anyone thinks personnel is not an issue, then they are wearing a blindfold and watching the Colts this season. Personnel is a clear issue, and performances like last night continue to indicate that. The and guy's a winner. If you continue to have that, um, I see no reason why you wouldn't do to Chris Bowder what you did to Frank Reich. Well, I mean, what's the Jim Irsay believes in him. What's the upside? Now, I'm not saying with Ballard. I'm saying for the for the Colts organization in the in this roster, what is the upside? Good young quarterback to build around. Negative. Dynamic playmakers to offset an offensive line that's a sieve. Negative. Yeah, I mean, you have some pieces defensively that you like. Um, it's not a total blow-up, but at key, key spots, there's so many questions. The defense had an off day yesterday, which they're entitled to because they've played really well. They've kept them in games, and the bottom line is their offense, their defense. Ha- what we learned last night is that the Colts' defense has to be absolutely spectacular in order for them to win games because their offense sucks. Their quarterback is ancient. Their left tackle is brand new. Their guard play has been inconsistent. And their running back, for whatever reason, has... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Developed fumbleitis. Time has kind of been the topic of discussion, as in last night, there was no time on the clock when the Pacers beat the Lakers courtesy of Andrew Nimhard's three. There were... Plenty of timeouts left for Jeff Saturday and the Colts as they tried to put together something to force overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And time felt like it was moving backwards for Colts fans as they once again listened to Ozzy Osbourne and Queen blaring overhead to the terrible towels, waving to visiting fans coming to watch the Colts' inept performance getting beat or beaten at home. And... Felt like the highlight of the game was going to once again feel like the air blowing you out of the RCA Dome. It was 1988 all over again. Hell yes, let's go. Phone lines are open, 317-239-1070. Let's begin with Paul. Paul, good Tuesday morning to you. Kevin and Jake, how you guys doing? Doing well, man. How are you? Um, I'm all right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm actually done with the Colts this year. As much as I love the Colts, I have to be done with them. Um, and for the life of me, I cannot understand why every run play we use is always up the middle. Jeff Saturday was part of that offensive line where we ran that stretch play with Edge and Joseph Adai so meticulously in the play action off of that stretch run was was wide open every time. I don't understand why every time the Colts run the ball with Jonathan Taylor, it's right up the middle every freaking time. This, this, this is ridiculous, and there's no reason for it. You watch these other teams, they get outside on the edge, and their running backs can create. We don't do that with Jonathan Taylor, and I don't understand why. And Gus Bradley, one, one last thing. Gus Bradley... Everybody could see Kenny Pickett was in a zone, and we still sat back there and let him dissect our defense just like Trevor Lawrence did. This this season is a wash. Play Sam Ellinger, and let's get a better quarterback, and we need to see if Sam Ellinger can be a viable backup 
for whomever we get in here as quarterback. I'm done with this season. I'm done with the team this year. I love my coach, but I'm washing my hands with them this year. Fellas, have a great day. Sickness in the Bowen household, so I appreciate you washing your hands, Paul, <laughs> this time of year. Um, Jake, I couldn't agree more with that last part. No, I do not need to see Matt Ryan whatsoever under center again this season. Um, Jeff Saturday stuck by him after the game last night, uh, but no, uh, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is old. He Kevin, looks very old playing quarterback. There is zero need to see him under center anymore. The the issue that I said this yesterday. The issue the Colts have is that you have people. Imagine the Colts complex. How many floors is the Colts complex on West Fifty Sixth? Is it just one? Yeah, I was going to say, unless there's some secret tunnels, I, I don't know. Okay. I think uh, it's just one. For the sake of, of the discussion here, imagine that it's two floors and the executive offices are on floor number two. When you have those that would be in the executive boardroom going up to floor number two and the elevator door opens and everybody's on the elevator, you have three people going in three different directions. It's like Pagano and Grigson again. Attached at the hip. If you are... Chris Ballard, you're probably saying, let's see what we got in Sam Ellinger. Or let's, well, I, I shouldn't say that because Ballard probably is like, hey, I want Matt Ryan to work out because I was, you know, he was a guy that was going to allow me to save face, I guess. If you're Ursay, you clearly want Ellinger. If you're Saturday, you want Ryan because you want to win games to make yourself look, your record look okay. Jeff Saturday wants to win right now, understandably and rightly and respectfully so. Chris Ballard, who knows what the hell Chris Ballard wants? Jim Ursay wants probably to build towards the future at some point and see what they have. But it feels like there would be three different possibly or at least two different initiatives. That's a bad place to be. I can't believe I'm saying this, Jake. It crossed my mind last night. I'd rather see Carson Wentz under center right now than Matt Ryan. Yeah, at least he's mobile. Maybe I'm being too reactionary to what I saw last night, but there is zero threat of semi explosive offense I mean <laughs> I cannot reiterate enough how much Troy Aikman is just ripping ripping the Colts passing offense and Matt Ryan in particular um, and again you got some money contractual guarantees for next season with Matt Ryan if he gets hurt in these final five games and I thought the D-line for Pittsburgh would have its way with Indio line I thought Braden Smith actually did a really nice job on TJ Watt um, you know Highsmith made a big play there a couple of big plays in the final drive but you imagine if Dallas gets a lead on Sunday and that Dallas front against the Colts? You think my NBC's looking at that game last night like maybe we should have flexed out? Is Dallas just like the white whale? That no matter who they play? Yeah. I mean, probably because of that's being tested on Sunday night. Nine and a half points. The early line. That seems low, I would say. For that one. Um, let's go to David, Mark. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. I have a question for you guys. Jim Irsay likes to make a big splash, right? So, who's our coach next year in the GM? I believe he's going to make a big splash in the offseason. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Uh, we talked about that yesterday with Bob Kravitz. Jim Harbaugh would be a big splash hire. Whether or not he is interested in coming here, I don't know. I looked it up. Harbaugh's making $7 million at Michigan. Frank Reich was making $8 million. Um does God, Jeff Reich Saturday was that much? Yeah. Does Jeff Saturday, at least from one article I read, uh, does Saturday have enough cachet to move into the front office? I, I mean, I, is Chris Ballard here? I just don't know if Saturday wants to do that. He strikes me as like, I want to be on the grass. I want to coach. I want to, you know, going into the scouting world and you know, kind of being in a bunker for a large chunk of the day and not really interacting with players in a coaching manner, that's a lot different than I think what Jeff Saturday desires about the current gig that he has. I mean, to David's point, I think in Ursay's eyes, Jeff Saturday is a splash. And we'll see how the final five games play out last night. Unlike the first two games, I thought last night was a really sore eye on Jeff Saturday. Um, particularly in how this team, again, got out of the gate Monday night primetime against a 3-7 and seven opponent. Um, and then the time management, I, you know, that is so much what goes into game day coaching. And was it the end all be all? No, but the Colts had an opportunity late and their coaching staff uh, handcuffed them and what they did there. Uh, where should we go next, Mark? Uh, let's go with Bo. 
Bo. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning, Jake. Morning, KB. Morning, Bo. Um, Jake, I, I, I tell you what, I mean, it could always get a little bit better. We could bring back the old Mike Pagel and listen to Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive. Listen, man, I, I think those were on the playlist last night. I do, right? I mean, I, it, I, I, I know that I heard, I mean, Pour Some Sugar on Me is at least, at least that song came out since the Mayflower Trucks, right? So, like, you got you to gotta go with an upgrade there. So, that's cool. They, they, you know, they freshen things up. But I think Crazy Train, did I hear Crazy Train last night? I mean, I think it's still there, right? Probably. I'm just saying that the point is that we get in the car. I take my family the first time to a game this year, by the way. Thank you, CYO football and basketball not having a game on Sunday. But either way, Blue throws the third pass down into the bucket, and I'm ready to hear taking care of business. Because it's the only taking care of business that went on last night. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Bo, I think the quarterback depth chart for next week should have blue on it. And maybe just, should we go wildcat with the Pittsburgh State Gorilla, Dallas Flowers? Hell How about yeah. Isaiah Rogers and him, just wildcat for the whole game? Hey, Bo, just so you know, because I don't want you to miss out. I don't know if you heard this or not, but Dwayne Bickett's going to be signing posters at Service Merchandise on, on Thursday. Be sure to get down there. Count me there. I'm going to go to the airway, too, back in the old 70s and see someone's there. Leo Wisniewski will be there with Ron Stark. That is correct. (laughs) Is there there a chance that we can get a ticket exchange for a season ticket holders that that I know they do in this buyback program next year? Can we do the old, like, somehow get with the Pacers and say, trade one Colts game in for two Pacer (laughs) games or something like that? Can you possibly imagine, Bo? And we'll throw the Bally subscription on top of it. Can you imagine, Kevin... The, to Bo's point, albeit somewhat flippant, did anybody think anybody? Can you imagine what you could have? You could have paid both your kids' college education on the wager you could have gotten that in turning the cl- the calendar to December of this year, that people would be calling in because they want to talk Pacers' future as opposed to Colts' present. Yeah, I mean we haven't had a Victor Webinyama call in several weeks and we have what is it sacrifice for bryce is that the hashtag it's not bad that's good you know which you got to sacrifice a lot here in these final five weeks to get up into the top whether people want to admit it or not and i know that they play nicely in the sandbox but there is an undercurrent subliminal rivalry between the Colts and the Pacers in this town in terms of keeping an eye on the fan base because they know that they are sharing the same fan base and 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 reach out for dollars. And yeah, I would say business from a sponsor standpoint too. And the Colts right now, I mean, we are seeing perhaps, you know, it's like the Drake Passage. You got two different oceans and they come in and two different currents and they swirl around and you find out which one wins. And right now, albeit probably not permanent, we'll see but right now, those currents are, are moving towards the Pacers. And again, from an image standpoint, Jake, I mean, the Pacers are very public and transparent about their um, expectations entering the season, whereas we have Jim Irsay up there talking about rare air and upper quartiles a few weeks back. The only quartile the Colts are in right now is the lower quartile. That's where you're at right now with this team, and you are now staring That's rare air. six years out of eight and missing the playoffs, and you play in the feeble AFC South. I mean, in terms of quartiles, Mark. That's reality. Right? Yeah. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? In the a- upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. You should have used Andrew Nemhard's <laughs> name instead of Michael Jordan's name after last night, right? That's I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. The guy's a winner. <laughs> Somebody keep going here. Four, seven, and one. Eight o'clock hour coming up. Mark we'll continue. Glad to know you're awake, Mark. Thanks. I'm for- here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Thanks for coming in this morning. 24-17, Colts lose last night. They play one good quarter. 
four seven and one now on the season. To talk more about that, I know he had a late night, so I appreciate him waking up with us. He's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Nate, I want to go to the fourth quarter, that final drive, and just the time management from Jeff Saturday. As you were watching that unfold, maybe hearing the Saturday explanation afterwards, um, what were your opinions, or what what are your opinions on how they handled that situation? Interesting. You don't often see a team that's you know in hurry up mode like that, and they get to a turn down play, and the clock's under a minute, and they're down a touchdown. They've got all three timeouts, and they're just not very interested in using them. And uh, Jeff's explanation for it. I mean, I understood. I understood sort of the general, I guess, philosophy of it. His idea was that because you have three timeouts, it, it didn't, you know, whether it was 50 seconds, a minute left, I mean, they were going to be able to control, and they, they felt like they had the number of plays they'd have either way. And I think in his mind he's thinking you know, they had this game plan of, of hurry up to the line when you have a play like that, a, a chunk play, uh, and, and just run with Jonathan Taylor and hope that that becomes the surprise. Uh, problem is they didn't really, you know, they didn't hurry up. They they let like 18 seconds go off the clock, uh, and then they snap it, and then you know, then the run play doesn't work, and it's you know, it just was. I again, I kind of understand some of the philosophy of it, but it's definitely not what I would have done because you're in a situation there where, uh, you know, they're down to like the 26 yard line, and they've got all of a sudden they've got 30 seconds to go that many you know, that many yards and that you don't know how many plays you're going to have left if you get the first or whatnot, but you've got a, a play caller in his third game in, in Park right. Frazier. And I, I just thought they could have given him a moment to, you know, timeouts are not just to, to stop the clock from running. It's also to give yourself time to do the best that you can do. And I thought they could have come up with a two play sequence there, or at least come up with a situation where they're putting it on Matt Ryan and his ability to get to the line and read it. That's how they've come back in the past. This one just felt a little bit forced, like they were trying to force a new identity, and uh, it really did not end up working out. You know, and a little bit more on that, Nate, like you also had two rookies playing prominent roles on that final drive. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's not used to being on the field in those moments. I, I, I get that, you know, that might not, you know, matter, but he's not typically a two minute back there. Um, the other thing, too, is, and I know I'm probably nitpicking a little bit, you know, if you take a timeout after the scramble, you know, maybe it gives a chance for the booth to review that if there was a question about the spot. Um, I also thought, you know, maybe take a timeout there at the end when Pittsburgh was kneeling it. Just the fact that it's a rookie quarterback and an injured center, I I don't know. I, I know that's grasping at straws a bit there, but I just thought there were other areas to where even if you got the fourth down, you still are taking a timeout there. 30 seconds to go 20-some yards with one timeout. Considering this offense, that's no guarantee. Yeah, it's one of those where I, I just think a you know, you've got to have a plan or some idea of, of when you might use those timeouts because you can't take them with you, and they need to be they need to be to your advantage. Whether that is stopping the clock, whether that's yeah making the Steelers at least at least snap in another couple plays and see what happens, or whether that's just giving your your offense a chance to breathe because, like you said, it's it's so hard for them to gain yards and, and do all of the things that you're asking them to do anyway. So so use them to your advantage. And the Taylor thing is interesting because. Just the week before, like you mentioned, they had Deion Jackson in there as the two-minute back, and I, I followed up on that the next day, and Jeff Saturday made it made it sound very matter-of-fact. Well, Deion's the two-minute back. That's why he's in there. That's that's always the plan. And this week was like the opposite of that, where it was very matter-of-fact. Like, oh, JT's the guy we go to and hand off to with 30 seconds left. That's the plan. And it just feels a little bit like they're, they're kind of making it up as they go along, which is what's happening because, you know, this is – a new role for Jeff Saturday for Parks Frazier. And, you know, they, it's an offense that they, they stepped into and was not very good. And they're trying to find kind of anything they can get to to, to get it going. So what is, it's kind of tricky because on one hand you want to, you know, you give them credit for trying new things and then try to make adjustments. But at the same time, I just, I, I think ultimately what they needed to do more was lean on Matt Ryan and his expertise and kind of let him guide those moments as they're kind of getting their feet under them and, uh, and I think they paid for it last night. Our guest is Nate Atkins. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, I had posed this question earlier to Kevin. I've asked it kind of rhetorically over the last couple of weeks, but I'm curious your opinion on it. Are the Colts now at a bit of a crossroads or a pickle? Because 
after last night, we can definitively say, you know, maybe mathematically they still have a shot at a playoff berth, but they're out. I mean, they're done, right? You put a fork in them. You have a coach in Jeff Saturday that I understand and respect is probably going to want to win games right now and put all chips in, to use that phrase, towards winning each game respectively. You have a general manager in Chris Ballard, one would assume, that may want to get a look at different pieces that he can inventory to find out what, in fact, he does have moving forward, even if it comes at the cost of winning particular games right now. Do they have multiple initiatives amongst multiple people in their front office? Yeah, this is a tricky spot that a lot of teams get into because usually, you know, when you are four, seven, and one, or you're in a spot where where the playoffs are not a possibility for a lot of teams, that was not the plan coming into the year. And so you have guys like who are trying to prove that they should keep jobs or just don't maybe have that security. I'm not sure where you know where Chris Ballard falls on that. You know, for a long time here, I thought he's he's a guy that seems he's always operated like he has tons of security, but I don't know how. You know, anyone within the Colts organization can feel that way uh, with the way that Jim Irsay's kind of managed the season. So it's one of those situations, though, where I, I think it's just going to play itself out because they can go this week and they can go into Dallas on a short week on Sunday Night Football and they can put all the chips in, and that's what I expect them to do. And I just think the results will push them you know, even more down this road where it's it's not a conversation of, you know, can they make the playoffs? It's they can't make it. You know, and when if they fall to four, eight, and one, at that point, you know, given how, you know where the Titans are in the division, I think at that point you can you can kind of confidently say uh, this just isn't going to be the year for that. And so then, if if you move in that direction and you're able to kind of create a new lens for Jeff Saturday, where you say, okay, th- this year is becoming more developmental. We're gonna you know we're gonna protect the health of certain guys. Like if they if they move some players to injured reserve and they start playing, you know, gearing game plans more around Alec Pierce and developing Jelani Woods. And it's more about let's see how Jeff Saturday works within that and not make it all about, you know, just about the win-loss record. Um, there are ways to, to kind of do that. That's the spot that, that uh, Carolina's in, and they're going to kind of make a decision on Steve Wilkes as he's trying to win within this uh, kind of hampered situation where he doesn't have a team that's very good and doesn't have a lot of chance to win. So, it's not a spot that anyone wants to be in, and, and it gets awkward here because this was supposed to be a team that, that was going all in for. That's certainly what Matt Ryan came here for, what Stephon Gilmore came here for. So uh, it's not it's not going to be pretty no matter how it plays out if that's the direction it ends up going. But uh, I just think eventually the math is going to kind of make that decision for them. It's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Him and Joel Erickson do an outstanding job on the Colts beat, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors hotline. Nate, I thought um, it was the oldest I've seen Matt Ryan look this season. Last night, um, I thought it was a very relevant question to be asked in the postgame of, is Matt Ryan going to continue to be the starter? Jeff Saturday said yes, again, at Dallas this Sunday, then the bye week, and then four games to close the season. Um, I think you maybe answered it in the previous question, but... When do you think the season gets to a point where we see Sam Ellinger again this year, if at all? Yeah, I think it starts with that math element of it, of actually being to a point where you can't tell Matt Ryan, hey, you've got a chance at this. Uh, I also think that's another thing that, that will probably play out on the field because really all it would really take is another injury to Matt Ryan or even the type of shots that make it feel like an injury is inevitable here. Uh, you know, a lot of the game plan that they're rolling out right now is to do anything but let him get hit. And I think that's that's really limiting this offense. They, they look incredibly simplistic, you know, running routes, the depth of routes they're running to just not risk any kind of hit on Matt Ryan. And so they're kind of telling defenses exactly what they're running. And, you know, they've got a quarterback who isn't going to extend the play and isn't going to be part of the run game. And it's, it's led to this, this offense that Matt Ryan, you know, is not lifting up really at all. And so uh, it's just one of those where I think there will eventually be a moment on the field that, that starts this conversation more, even more than just the play and the losses, something that has to do a little bit more with health situations and, and getting it there. But the, the thing they got to consider here is if the goal with, you know, if you want to move to Sam because you think he can play better or he can spark it, that's one thing. That's what they tried. That's what they said weeks ago and they then they decided that that he was not that guy but if the the idea is to develop him you know you got to keep in mind that this is 
it's still a very broken offense for any quarterback to step into. You've still got a head coach who's spent three years in the NFL as a coach and a, and a play caller spent three years calling plays at any level or three games calling plays at any level. And so that's not the best way to develop a young quarterback if that's what you want to do. In fact, I think the, the idea is that Sam behind the scenes is developing quite well for a guy that you know was drafted in the, the sixth round and has a developing arm and really wanted to learn a lot of the game and learn from Nick Foles and learn from um, from Matt Ryan. So there will come a time where he can learn more with live reps, but it's still this is this year is never really supposed to be the year for him to do that on the field. So you have to wonder, kind of, you pull that plug again, and you know, obviously, send a message to Matt Ryan. You send uh, and you send one to you know, kind of the rest of the the team, and you got to wonder if that that's worth it. If it's worth it to do that. Um, for the possibility to develop Sam, or do you make it worse by by hurting a kid's confidence? And then the other thing they have to consider is that Matt Ryan is under contract for next season. That's going to be a decision they have to they have to work out. But if they get to a point where they're drafting another quarterback and that they want to kind of groom him because he's not ready, you want Matt Ryan to be in on that. And so if you're pulling the rug on him a second time, benching him a second time, it just gets a little bit messy. So I think it's one of those where it's always going to be easier if they let. Um, something organic make that happen. Um, you know, if health ends up deciding it, or or maybe it just gets so late in the year that he's willing to to kind of dial it back a little bit. Nate, I'm going to give you three things. You tell me which one you think most would keep Jim Mersey awake at night. Okay. Number one, his team is sub 500. Number two, his team is considered by fans to be boring and unwatchable. Or number three, forty percent of his stadium is filled with the opponent's supporters. I think those last two are definitely getting there more. Uh, you know, it's bad seasons happen in the NFL. It's, it's you know, I know it frustrates him for sure because he, of all people, thought this was a a win now year. But uh, I think he, I think he can at least rationalize that that's where this was was kind of headed, and that's why he fired a coach in the first place. Or at least you'd think. The problem though is he really this is a new spot for him to be in where his team is kind of becoming irrelevant and also that, you know, just how kind of critical the, the conversation's been around his franchise, its direction, uh, him in particular, like it's moved beyond the point of, well, they, they had a good team, but their quarterback retired early and they're competitive and they're just come come up a little bit short. Uh, the, the further that this goes, you know, and if they, especially the way that, that it's going of, you know, scoring 16 points a game and, Moments like last night where they're on national TV and they have zero yards after the first quarter, that's stuff that I know Jim Mercy pays attention to. He very much is looking out for sort of the image of the franchise the, and the, just the overall momentum of it with locally and nationally. And he loves getting primetime games. And, and he was on top of the world last year when in a, the moments that they were in primetime, you know, they beat the Cardinals on Christmas and they beat the Patriots. And so he really wants them to play their best in those moments. So when they are not moving the ball and, you know, there's opposing fans that are that are getting loud there and getting more energized for the game than his home fans, it's all keeping up, keeping up, up at night. And I think that's why he's managed the season the way he has. And that's been the big disconnect is some fans have thought the moves this franchise has made uh, this year have been to tank, and it's it's so far from the truth. He he's doing all this out of desperation to win and to try and get a team that on Monday Night Football can come out there and, and be competitive. And he really thought that that this was going to be a change that, that helped in that direction with Jeff Saturday and like he thought with Sam Ellinger. He really thought these would be sparks that that would get it there. And so each time that there's a reality moment like, uh, you know, at, at new England putting up three points. Uh, and then he, you know, he reacts by firing the coach. This, this is another one that's going to sting for him. The way that the offense looked, the way that it's not fixed and the way that, uh, the energy within the game was for another team in that game. that was three and seven and it wasn't his. Nate, last one for me. And again, Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star covers the Colts alongside Joel Erickson. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. This is certainly not near the top of the Colts' issues this season. But a storyline entering the year is how would Michael Pittman and or Jonathan Taylor play in kind of contract years for them? I mean, that's that's typically how you know good second-round picks, um, that's how their third year is viewed. It's a four-year rookie contract. Um, do you think they have been a slight disappointment considering 
you know, maybe the preseason expectations for them. Again, when you factor in maybe the second contracts that you saw from the whiteout group uh, in the previous draft class of the DK Metcalfs, Debo Samuels, those guys, and then in Taylor's case, um, a little bit of health related on that front. But it just seems like you can't ignore these fumbles. Yeah, I think they would both tell you that it's disappointing uh, this year. I know Michael Pittman would certainly say that. He's become kind of the most self-critical player on the Colts. And he's the one that will set super high goals. And uh, he hasn't told me what his goals are for this year, but I, he told me last year, and they were, you know, thirteen hundred yards and all pro. And uh, and he said this this year's goals were higher. And I think that first game when they came out, I mean, from a team perspective, it was not good for them to tie the Houston Texans. But those two, you know, those two were dominant in that game. Um, they both had you know, hundred plus yards and a touchdown, and that felt like. This is how this would go. Is those two would have to carry them that day. It didn't. It didn't end up being enough, but uh, but it has not built on that at all. Like last night was Michael Pittman Jr.'s first touchdown since the opener, uh, which is kind of shocking to think about. Jonathan Taylor went uh, from the opener all the way until the Raiders game, until he got his second uh, touchdown, so or second rushing touchdown. And so I think both of them. They can take her some responsibility because they've had moments that they want back. Jonathan Taylor's had the fumbles. Michael Pittman has has had a couple drops in his own fumble against the Titans. Uh, they they've not kind of risen above what's going on here. But I think if you're being fair, you have to realize like this offense isn't set up for really anyone to thrive. And really, you look across the board, and the only player that you'd say is kind of you know meeting or exceeding what he wanted coming in right now is probably Paris Campbell. Uh, because even you know Alec Pierce was doing it for for a bit, and then that's that's since fallen off in the past few weeks, uh, just naturally because there aren't targets to go around and and all of that. It's just an offense where you know their, their offensive line just missed the boat so much that it's you know it's it's gotten too many play, too many players hurt along the way. Taylor got hurt, has dealt with that all season long. He's not been himself. Matt Ryan has gotten hurt, uh, you know, and it's it's just made it. You know, now, now they're to the point where they don't want Matt Ryan to get hurt so they don't run plays down the field. So we only got to see Michael Pittman. Like last night, that jump ball he had where he, he got the pass interference call on the Steelers, that's the kind of play that he ran all the time last year. That's what got him to 1,000 yards, and they aren't even attempting. They're, and this, they're intentionally telling everyone we're not attempting those because we don't want to get Matt Ryan hurt. And they think that's kind of the new identity of their offense is trying to survive just a complete lack of blocking up front. And so when you have that, it's hard to overcome for any players. As great as these two are, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, they are you know they are third year players. They they haven't um, they haven't quite hit that level of just you know dominate no matter the circumstances. And and that was kind of been the, the I guess the tough pill to, to swallow at least with uh, at least with Taylor. I think with, you know coming off the, the the year where he led the league in rushing by uh, almost you know by more than 500 yards was that you know he is mortal and he does need a system. And, and last year they, for, for some of the flaws of the offense, they had a run game system with Jack Doyle and an offensive line that did run block pretty well. And that was their identity. And, uh, and, and it was new to the league. And this year it's all kind of falling apart. And it's just kind of showed you just how difficult this league is. And that's, I think that's what they're having to realize and, and work through right now is like this league is super hard. You can't do it on your own. And too many times this year, they've been left to do it on their own. Nate, you stop at a gas station, you go in to get a soft drink. What are you buying? Oh, depends. I'm I'm a big coffee guy. I was going to say, I see Nate okay. shotgun coffee so, in the Colts media room. So you go to buy, let's say, a bottle of like the Starbucks pre-made coffee, whatever. You open the, the you twist the cap and a genie pops out. And the genie says, Nate, thank you so much. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a game. You go, okay. And he says, I'm going to give you four names. You've got to write down, you've got to select one of those names. And if they are a member of the Colts organization one calendar year from today in the same capacity that they're a member of the organization right now, I'm going to give you $10 million. And you go, great. And he says, the four names that you have to pick from, if they are in the same job and role with the Colts one year from now as they are right today, your four names are Bobby Okereke, Chris Ballard, Matt Ryan, and Jeff Saturday. Which one do you pick? Oh, interesting. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Chris Ballard. Still, uh, it's tough because I think that one's going to come down to the coach he's going to work with. 
Um, so it's kind of going down a different rabbit hole. But I, I ultimately think that that's, there's going to be a rationalization from Jim Mercer's or often has been that, that this is, uh, this is, you know, not Chris Ballard's job. That's not, not his, uh, not his fault, I guess. Is season. Chris Ballard finally going to be allowed to hire a coach? Because he did it one time, and that guy didn't want to come. And since then, Chris Ballard uh, has worked with, I guess, what, three coaches now, and he didn't hire any of them. Yeah, that's a great question. And that's that's going to be a question that, that Chris has to answer, too, is that, if this is still the fit for him. And um, also, it's, that's, a, that's a totally weird, different uh, entanglement to get into. But yeah, that's a good question. It's all tough because I was I was tempted. I, I don't think it'll end up being Jeff Saturday in this exact role. Um, but it, to me, it was between Ballard and uh, and Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan is under contract, and they may just roll with that. Um, but you know, they they may pull the plug too and, and and really go in that direction. So that's a really tough one. It's the toughest franchise to kind of predict this this future path going on because it's hard to even know. <laughs> you know, it's hard to know what they'll be in a month let alone from uh, the start of next year. But I guess if I had to guess right now, I think that they'll find some way to, to kind of just give Chris Ballard a chance at a reset here. Uh, and you would think that that would come with those things where he can pick his head coach and then he'll need to pick his quarterback and not from you know a, a, a group of stopgap options, but actually draft one for the first time, draft one to be the starter. That's got to be the, that's the thing Chris Ballard's never done. And maybe you can argue he never, I think if, if you want to keep him around, the argument is he's never quite gotten a good situation to do it in. And this will be the year that, that they try it and see how it goes. But, yeah, that is hard to predict exactly how that's going to play out. Yeah, predicting what Jim Mercer is going to do is a game that um, you're probably not going to win at, frankly. Um, Nate, I know it was a late night for you and a quick turnaround this morning, so really appreciate you hopping on with us. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow out there at the Complex. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on.